radio show where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I'm Harry Edwards, your host for the evening, and joining me in the studio are my good friends, Dr. Jacob Daniel. How are you, Jacob? Okay, we're live, right? I guess we're on. So, and uh, Lenny Esposito, how are you doing? All right, and we have a very special guest tonight. Her name is Cynthia Hampton from Women in Apologetics. How are you doing, Cynthia? I'm doing great, thank you. Great, all right. So if you're listening to us right now, we are live. Paco, if you're there, uh, <laughs> maybe you can give us a call. <laughs> I give you the number. Uh, anyway, so uh, this evening, before we get into our topic, uh, which is going to be all about cults, because um, Cynthia Hampton actually will tell you more about why she's here. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to get some updates from our ministry partners here. So what's going on with you, Jacob? It's a busy season. You know, summers are really, I mean, getting into summer is kind of like busy with a lot of conferences and retreats. So lately I've had a great privilege of engaging with people in politics. So bringing, um, uh, sharing the relevance of and the gospel as to how it should inform as you define politics, applied ethics, you know, what it has to say in terms of what kind of ethics do we apply on uh, culture. Uh, so I've had some avenues available for that, so for which I'm grateful. I'm trying to see actually uh, to be in that sphere for a little more time, you know, to be engaging with people to make right kind of decisions. That is an important yeah. sphere to be in right now. Yeah. In fact, maybe one of these days, uh, or one of the shows we'll have, we're going to talk about Kirkwood Center. Sure. Yes. I'm sure, because <laughs> the three of us are involved with that too. Right. And we're just as passionate about the mission and vision of the Kirkwood Center, which you will hear more about in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, so watch out for that. That'll that'll be a good one. Uh, how about you, Lenny? How's oh, everything? Oh, yeah, same same idea. Speaking is definitely, uh, we're, we're now post-COVID, which is really nice. So Officially? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> officially. And, and so I'm getting called to do uh, more engagements. We're trying to plan maybe an event in Portland, uh, either late this year, or early next year. Also something in Toronto, uh, in that area. That would be exciting. And then I'm working, speaking right now, doing a series on uh, Christian history uh, that I'm teaching through that hopefully will be able to be packaged into a curriculum for both churches and homeschoolers and things like that. So uh, lots of that kind of stuff going on. And then planning this big trip, Footsteps of the Apostles Tour to uh, Europe, starting spring of next year, which is... Man, uh, I'd love to go to that one. Uh, do you guys have scholarships for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe so. If someone can, uh, if some people want to bless others, we would love to. But if you want to find out more, you go to comereason.org uh, and visit the site and click on yeah. the footsteps banner. It's uh, we're gonna. It's going to be an amazing tour. So Great, great. Um, I know I've seen some of the shorts, I guess they're called shorts, popping up all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Lenny, that's awesome. So, that's yeah, oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, we're working on <laughs> as much social media as yeah. we can as well. That's so, a, absolutely. And then tonight, our guest of honor is Cynthia Hampton. Again, I mentioned she is from an organization called Women in Apologetics. Cynthia, how are you doing? And, and give us a little bit of an intro of who you are and, and what is Women in Apologetics? What is their mission and vision? Women in Apologetics was started um, first by, you know, a, a friend of ours, Sarah Enterline, and uh, she gave it over to 
uh, Rachel Shockey and Jade Turner, which they turned it into a 501c3 organization and uh, in 2017. And then um, they right away we started to have uh, conferences and um, our biggest one is our annual conference. We had our first one in uh, 2018. Um, during COVID, we had one where we had like over 900 registrations mm. from around the world in 27 countries. Wow. It was it was amazing uh, what we did, you know, when uh, we were, you know, during COVID because no one could attend, but everything had to be online. Yeah. What do you think, what makes Women in Apologetics, the organization, unique? Well, we're all women and we're all apologists. And it seems like uh, previously, uh, apologetics was something that belonged mostly to men. I'd go to apologetic conferences and it was all male speakers all men over there and I was like very hardly hardly any women around to be seen so um, it's good to see all these women inter interested in Christian apologetics and learning how to defend their faith so um, that's a really good thing oh that's wonderful to hear do you think that there might be some unique qualities that women bring to the field of apologetics that men don't well I think women are more relational you know, and, um, you know, and also I think women, uh, because we're mothers and we're grandmothers and uh, we're the first line of defense when we talk to our children at home, mm -hmm. when they come home from school or come from talking to uh, neighborhood kids, uh, maybe they've come up with uh, something that their friends have said, who've told them, well, why do they believe this? Or, you know, my friend says he doesn't believe in God. He says their family is atheist. What does that mean? And, and so, you know, when, when children bring this stuff up to their mothers or their grandmothers or their aunts, you know, um, you know we have to be ready with uh, an answer for them, hmm. you know, to give a defense for the gospel. Um, and I think in the past, uh, women weren't ready for that. They would say, well, you know, we have to believe in God or it you know, this way because the Bible says so. And uh, there weren't any really good answers. But now I think that uh, women have become a lot more educated. And so we're learning, uh, we're, we're there teaching women how to give good answers to their families. That's wonderful. You, uh, we, uh, Women in Apologetics definitely fulfills a much needed uh, need in the church. So I'm a big fan so it's an honor that yeah. you can be here with us, Cynthia, representing women in apologetics. I think it's interesting that um, some of this may be predicated on a misunderstanding of apologetics as well. A lot of folks think that it's just simply this head knowledge, this intellectual thing that, you know, and I, I remember Holly Ordway made a, gave a very good analogy on this. Sometimes apologetics is a confrontational ministry where you're the, the the fight right the duel if you will so the atheist says something in the and that was traditional apologetics for many years uh there was always another approach which uh, tended to be more um evangelistically focused and that's with a, a person walking along with another person and putting their their arm around them and feeling their pain and women were drawn to those kinds of ministries too but holly says that there's a third way and and she likens it to the dance so if you've ever watched any ballroom dancing 
there's there's a tension between the two participants, right? You have to have structure. You have to have a little bit of pushback. If your partner doesn't give you a little bit of resistance, the dance doesn't work. It, it all falls apart. But but there's also a cooperation. Mm -hmm. And she says, this is the kind of apologetics that women do very well, where where you give some resistance. You don't just go along with whatever the other person says, but, but you're working in cooperation in order to achieve the end goal, which is finding out the truth. I thought that was always a really good analogy uh, for those who think apologetics is simply just arguing one against another, which is, you know, that may be part of what apologetics, but it's not necessarily uh, summarizes apologetics in its appropriate form. Yeah. And, and you touch on a very important um, issue in culture, especially. I, I think family being the basic unit of authority, basic unit of learning, that's where education initially begins. I think mothers can play an amazing role um, in, in investing in the lives of eternal souls that God has entrusted them with. And family as a unit has to be strengthened and that has to be happen, happening with the involvement of mothers as well. Yes. It's beautiful. So again, I just want to give out the numbers. Uh, we're inviting callers this time. Uh, the number to call is 888-995-KKLA. That number again is 888-995-5552. We're going to be talking about women in apologetics, and then we're going to be talking specifically about Cynthia's uh, topic for this evening, which she will get to deliver at an upcoming conference. And we want to invite you to that. So I'm going to have Cynthia mention the title of her talk uh, and tell us about the upcoming conference that's happening in uh, like a couple weeks. Yes, um, our women, it's our fifth, sixth annual uh, Women in Apologetics Conference. We're having it in Anaheim at uh, the Knott Avenue Christian Church. And in order to register, you can go to womeninapologetics.com, uh, go to events, and you can register right there. Um, we have two ways uh, that you can attend. Um, if you are local or you don't want to drive here from wherever you come, or take a plane anywhere, uh, you can attend uh, in person, and uh, that is uh, that'll cost sixty nine dollars uh, if you want to pay uh, you through in, through PayPal, and then if you want to attend online, you can attend all the sessions online, including all the breakout sessions, uh, and that is fifty nine dollars. So if you want to go. Go to womenapologetics.com and register there. Very good. And how many days is it? Is it? It's a two-day conference. It's all over a Friday uh, evening. Uh, doors open at 4.30, and then uh, it's uh, Saturday from uh, 9 to 4. Okay. What, what are some of the topics that you'll be covering? Okay. <laughs> yeah, tell us the exact title. And just FYI, I know our board has lit up already. We, we've got David from Anaheim. David, just hang in there. Uh, you already know, you're, you're totally listening. I love it. Uh, you, you, we're gonna touch on this topic in just a few seconds. But go ahead, Cynthia, uh, tell us the, the, your topic. Oh, my topic. My topic is, is um, about cults and it's called, um, <laughs> it's called uh, Preventing Liability. Uh, recognizing uh, uh, counterfeit teaching in cults. So I'm going to be talking about um, the counterfeit teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, uh, 
I'm going to be talking a little bit about New Age, New Thought, uh, and then some of the stuff that comes from New Thought, like Christian science actually uh, came from New Thought, and religious science actually came from uh, New okay. Thought. Now, before I bring in David, um, I want you to go ahead and just define for us what a cult is. Well, there, you, there are uh, two ways of defining a cult. Uh, in the Christian way, it's, it's anything that deviates from the traditional Christian uh, teaching. Like, uh, most of the cults will uh, deny the deity of, of Christ. And uh, they'll make their leader more important. Uh, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses um, will say that uh, Jesus um, is not God, but he's Michael the Archangel. He doubles as Michael the Archangel. Um, and so he's another God next to Jehovah. Um, Mormons will say that uh, Jesus is important, but he's, he's also created. And then there was no real virgin birth. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally different Jesus than the one we have in Christianity. Um, other other uh, belief systems will have Jesus as more of a Christ consciousness in, in the New Age, in the New Thought. He's not someone real that you would follow. Okay, very good. Well, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and bring on David. He's calling from Anaheim. Uh, David, are you there? You're live with uh, Apologetics.com. Do you have a question yes, or comment? I am. Thank you for having me on. I've probably in the past year or so, maybe or a year and a half, called two or three times, so I'm familiar with your program and like it. All right. Thank being, you. Being a security guard that works graveyard, ah. this is why <laughs> I uh, listen to you guys. <laughs> Perfect. So That's great. I wanted to comment on Cynthia. Just uh, you know, you you hear about with Timothy, his his mother and his grandmother, how they uh, influenced him. And uh, my grandmother was a strong uh, Christian in the family. Um, and then you know, you just you just think about um, like uh, Samuel's mother who prayed and to have a child and then dedicated him to the Lord and. And so often, um, what is it also that the husbands can be won over by their wives just due to their behavior? So I like the idea that women are in apologetics because, yeah, she's right. It's been so male-dominated, and, you know, as she was saying, the, the, the women relationally can talk with other women, and then they go home and influence their husbands or their sons or their brothers or so... Um, on that note, with the cults, um, and you mentioned New Thought, which which is an interesting thing. The thing that's really bugging me is seen on TV now. Uh, his name's hard to pronounce, but David Mis Miscavi or Miscavige. Miscavige, yeah. yeah. Scientologist. And so I'd like to hear your comments on. I believe, obviously, that Scientology is a cult, and and uh, maybe comment on that. Now give me a little education, if you would, please. Well, I'm I'm not covering Scientology in my in my talk for for Wea, but I know a little bit about it. In fact, I've met uh, uh, Leah Remini, and I was on her show oh, uh, when nice. when she had. Uh, I think it's the third season. Uh, we had a, a Jehovah's Witness panel on there, and so we all gave our stories, and uh, it was over the A and E network. So. Um, yeah, David Miscavige, I believe he's the uh, 
president of right. the Scientology right now. And uh, there's one thing that, you know, I know Leah was been, has been asking, what happened to his wife? No one ever sees her. Why, why did she disappear? So I don't know what's going on with that, uh, but I do know a little bit about, you know, the history of Scientology that was started by uh, L. Ron Hubbard. He was a science right. fiction writer. Um, the 75 million years ago, there were these aliens that came in and uh, and the reason everyone has problems and, you know, they don't have sin in their in their religious belief, but, you know, it's being in a state of being unclear. So uh, the reason you need Scientology is because you have to take their courses so that you can, so your minds can become clear. And, of course, it'll right. cost you, you know, your life savings. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. think, uh, I think um, as you had mentioned, there's two kinds of ways to define cult and Scientology would probably fall into the sociological version of a cult the way the way most people use the term cult uh, conversationally uh, where there's a, a, a high level of control a, a almost dictatorial top-down uh, understanding and L Ron Hubbard I don't even think he didn't you know maybe he began to believe his own press after a while but but the story is is that he he was reportedly saying, you know, if you really want to make money, you start your own religion. Hmm. And uh, wow. he was a, he was a he was a what they call a, a, a pulp fiction writer, science fiction writer, and not a very good one in the 30s and 40s. And then he decided to start Scientology and grew this thing. Uh, but it is very controlling, and it is, uh, yeah, you, you, the e-meter and the n-grams and your operating thetans and the whole the whole nine yards. But it's ultimately, it is the only faith where you have to pay in order to advance and grow spiritually. So there, there's a lot of big red flags. Uh, I live out uh, about 20 miles away from Hemet, where the Sea uh, Org is, and you know the people who signed their billion-year contracts to Scientology, but ultimately, it's it's a pretty evil organization. If you start looking at Lisa McPherson's case, uh, where they starved her, uh, and and the way they control individuals, actually putting those who start to deviate from Scientology into slave labor, it's 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 a pretty wicked organization. Mm -hmm. So, and common among all cults is the fact that I mean they provide a kind of counterfeit religion. That yes promises to offer what true religion does. So it's all about latching on to the human longing for the ultimate. And that's the promise there, basically to improve you and augment you, yes. update you to a version that you're longing for, and which is true with scientism as well. So it's like a, a parasite. It's like a parasite yeah. of religion. Yeah. 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 So David, does that help? Yeah, it does. I mean, I've been familiar with some of that. I saw some of Leah Remini's uh, programs, and and that was very eye-opening. I didn't know that, you know, when you see, like, okay, Tom Cruise and John Travolta and some of these other high-profile people, I knew that. I mean, obviously, any religion that tries to say that, hey, you know, you can make yourself better, you can become your own god, you can be in control— you know, where is Jesus Christ and all that? Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's not there. And so obviously, you know, red flags would go up for me. It's a cult. But it just has been, just now they've, you know, put on the Scientology.tv. They've been showing um, commercials, like during basketball games and things like that. Or uh, I don't know, you know, and so it's, 
it's just I think they're fighting back against what Leah Remini's been doing and yeah. some of these other high profile cases that you're more familiar with than I am. Well, what what happened was these people were abused. Yeah, Scientology traded in secrecy. So one of the things because Hubbard was familiar with the publishing industry, he was also familiar with copyright law. And uh, as you as because you had to pay in order to uh, get newer scriptures. So think about it this way: when you first go in for an auditing session, they'll usually find some things. Hey, it looks like you have some animosity against your parents or things like that. And and a lot of times these things are true. People do have that, and they start to feel a little bit better when they're counseled through those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So. As they start to feel better, then they start to believe it more, and then the Scientologists know they have them hooked, and they say, well, you want, then you need to go buy this whole series or this whole sidetrack, and you can't share it with anybody because we hold the copyright to it, see? So it was all predicated on secrecy, but once the internet kind of started busting a lot of that open, they they started to have a public relations problem, and they had to launch Scientology.tv to try and counteract both what Remini says, but what a lot of folks on the internet were exposing with the the story of Xenu, which is what you get revealed only when you get to the operating Thetan level three. That's when that mm. uh, option comes out. But you've already spent $300,000 or so by that point. Wow. Yeah. Hey, David, thanks for your call. I know we're coming up on a station break pretty soon. So thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, call again. And thanks for your ministry. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, David. Okay, thanks, David, for that. Um, so, yeah, if you're just tuning in right now, we are talking about cults. What is it? How to know if you're in one? And ultimately, what does Jesus offer um, as a, an alternative to that? Because cults, and they are mostly associated with Christianity. They've pretty much deviated from um, the teachings of Christianity, but they take the good parts in, and it, then yeah, it's like any other counterfeit currency, right? It yeah. has to looks very much similar to the original, yeah, and that's what happens with Jesus as well. Yeah, well, Cynthia, what would you say is the uh, uh, are the main draws, or uh, what what what's attractive about cults? H- how does one get into a cult? Well, a lot of times. They prey on people who are lonely or looking for something. Um, I know when my mother became a witness, she was unhappy at the time because, you know, she and my dad used to fight a lot because, you know, he used to drink too much. And so um, sometimes they prey on people who just had a death in the family or they, they just got divorced or something like that. So they're, they're looking for people who who have some kind of a need, so they they prey on that. In fact, when I was a witness, um, they used to tell us at the Kingdom Hall to look for the people who were sighing and crying over the detestable things that were going on in the world, and and so mm-hmm. they they made that their target market because people who are happy in their church, of course, didn't want to become witnesses. They weren't interested when we come to the door, so. Um, it, it was mostly the unhappy people who were looking for something. What do you think, just what you shared, what does that say about, let's say, the Christian church? I mean, if if somehow that, like, I think you mentioned, that's kind of like their market. Well, those are things that 
uh, Christianity ought to provide too. Yeah. Uh, if not in in a fuller sense, in a real true sense. So that is kind of interesting, right? That would can we be honest and say that maybe that's a failure of the church in some ways? So maybe if if we can make it like a uh, an inverse reaction, so cults flourish, that means churches are not doing their job, right? Is it, is it like an inverse relationship right there? I wouldn't say that churches aren't doing their job, um, but I think that like, for example, my mother's uh, experience with it, she really wasn't going to church much. Mm. You know, she went to mass. She was Catholic, and uh, she never got involved in anything. You know, whether it was Bible studies or other groups that were going on. So it was just once a week mass, and she went there and she came home. So there was no relationship there. Mm. Yeah. Basically, they're providing a new foundation at a place where there is no foundation. Right, and and what the witnesses and other cults do is a lot of love bombing. Hmm. But isn't it interesting? And I I, I remember uh, I had a witness come to my door, and I, the first thing I said to her, I have to commend you because it's ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, and you're not at home watching football. You're actually out here trying to talk to people about what you hmm. believe. Would there be more in the church that would go out? Because that was the command in Matthew 28, go out into all the world, not yeah. let the world come to you. So I think to your point, that's an aspect of the church that is a yeah. little bit flawed. In a, a little bit of a, f- f- yeah. Well, also an opportunity then. We Absolutely. should see it as an opportunity. So to me, it's almost like a gauge, at least in my thinking, um, if somehow we can find demographics on how cults are doing, that should say something about the church as well. So... Well, I know we're coming up on a station break, and so if you've been listening, uh, you want to join a conversation, perhaps you are you want to know if you are in a cult or you want to know more about uh, how to avoid being part of a cult, give us a call. The number is 888-995-KKLA. Again, the number is 888-995-5552. We'll be back after a few words. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to apologetics.com and click donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting apologetics.com. You like to think of it as your own personal Bible school on the radio, where you go through the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments, in daily visits of just 30 minutes a day for five years. And your professor is Dr. J. Vernon McGee. The radio program is through the Bible. Tuition is free, but through the Bible needs to know that you're listening, and they want your thoughts on the class material. It's Letter Month at Through the Bible 
and they'd like to hear from you. Where do you listen daily? What do you like most? How has it changed your life? You can share your story and thoughts simply by logging on to kkla.com and using the keyword letter. Let your voice be heard. Again, log on to kkla.com, keyword letter. That's kkla.com, keyword letter. And don't be tardy. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com. Car payments, credit card payments, home loans, student loans. That's a lot of debt to carry. Let us help you get caught up when you enter the $18,000 Get Caught Up sweepstakes. We have $18,000 in prize money to help pay down your debt. The grand prize winner gets up to $10,000 of debt relief. Three first prize winners get up to $1,000. And 10 second prize winners will get $500. It could be you. It's the $18,000 Get Caught Up sweepstakes. Enter today at kkla.com. kkla.com. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Well, welcome back to the second part of the Apologetics.com radio show, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I'm in here with my friends in ministry, uh, Dr. Jacob Daniel. Hello again. And Lenny. Hello again, and our special guest tonight is Cynthia Hampton from Women in Apologetics, and um, uh, she is here to promote an upcoming conference that's happening in a couple weeks, right? June 9th and 10th. So check out the site, womeninapologetics.com, for more information on that. So uh, if you're tuning in right now, we've been talking about cults, what is it? how to know if you're in one, and um, what does Jesus have to offer? Because we know cults are parasitic, uh, they're counterfeit, and uh, and I don't know if our listeners know this about Cynthia, but Cynthia was a former JW. Yes. So I, I want you at this time, just give us a brief testimony of your experience with uh, Jehovah's Witness. Um, what... What happened? Uh, what's your story when it comes to that? Well, our family was Catholic, and my mother uh, became friends with another woman who had been uh, Catholic. In fact, she was in our church. She was a catechism teacher. And uh, this lady uh, left the Catholic church, and she had a witness come to her door, and so lo and behold, she became a witness. So. She and my mother became good friends, and she studied with my mother, and then my mother became a Jehovah's Witness, and she took us all out of the church, and uh, we all went to the Kingdom Hall after that. So, um, and this was, you know, in the 1970s. <laughs> I'm giving away my age. <laughs> so, um, I got my mother got baptized. I got baptized. Uh, my sister got baptized. My brother got baptized. Um, they were saying the end was going to come in 1975, mm. and so I was in high school, 
And so a lot of us thought, you know, we were, you know, we wondered if we would make it through Armageddon. So and that was a big scare, you mm-hmm. know. We had to stay close to the organization, and you know there were people who were selling their cars, selling their houses, um, because they were just going to live out the last days of the system of things. And and they were saying 1975. And I have Watchtowers and Awake magazines and other literature that's documenting that 1975 was the year. Mm-hmm. Well, 1975 came and went. It didn't happen. They said, well, maybe we're a year off, <laughs> and it didn't happen. <laughs> I ended up leaving the Watchtower in 19, 1980. Was that like the official uh, position of the Watchtower about that, that date? It was official back then. Okay. But when, when and somehow it didn't, it didn't happen, discredit the organization, huh? You know, <laughs> they, what they will say today is that they're – um, members were too excited, mm-hmm. so they kind of blame it on on their on their members. You know, they they say, "Well, we never said, but yes, they did." <laughs> it's April, in their literature. April first, nineteen seventy two issue of the Watchtower magazine magazine has that specific article. Wow! And it's not the first time they've done it. I mean, first it was you know. It, Jesus coming back 1914, Jesus coming back 1918, Jesus coming back 1925, Jesus coming back 1943. Uh, this is just the latest. And if you buy, I had a, a studies in the scriptures, like a first edition. And the first one has a chart of the pyramid in it. And, and Russell and the International Bible students actually used the pyramids to calculate the 6,000. They were leveraging Archbishop Usher's chronology of 6,006 years, and they, so that's that's what they played with. But yes, you're right. Every time I've asked the witnesses about this, they say, well, those were coming from men, and men could be wrong. Oh, wow. That's, but it was official. That's, right. that's, yeah, and, and if you ask who, what is that, that God's true witness, they will say it is not a man or a woman, it is the organization, right? Mm. Right, right. It's the faithful and discreet slave, That's as they right. put it. Mm. So, and, and they'll say, well, well, they have made mistakes. And so as long as you admit your mistakes, you're okay. And so that's what makes them not a false prophet. Mm. According so, to them. <laughs> wow. So Cynthia, how long were you in uh, the JW um, cult and um did you guys become active, like you were devout followers of JW? Yeah, I got pretty devout. It was really strange how how it happens um, because I, I, all I remember is my mother took me to one of their uh, conventions, circuit assemblies, they called it. And um, I went in a non-believer, and I came out a believer, hmm. and I don't even know how it happened. Hmm. You know, it's almost a, a demonic thing that comes sure. over you know, with – I think it is. And and so now I'm suddenly a believer and I don't know why and so then they set me up studying and um I got baptized and uh it, it was just I I believed it and I thought, you know, 1975 was the year that um Armageddon was coming. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was based on fear. Yeah. A lot of people were becoming witnesses because of that. They thought this is this is it. Six thousand years of human history, and now we're going to have the end. Is that what motivated you to consider leaving JW? Well, uh, there was a combination of my being mistreated 
mm-hmm. and um, you know where I you know went through some abuse because I had gotten married very young and uh, had suffered physical abuse, mm-hmm. and the elders wouldn't do anything about it, and so I I, I left my marriage and uh, ended up you know I had a baby at the time I needed to figure out a way to take care of him Mm -hmm. and so i went to college uh you know i started to you know learn you know take college courses and uh learned accounting (laughs) so and I, i learned how to think critically and as i um as time went on i realized um i really didn't believe it anymore and uh but then I didn't become a Christian right away. You know, I kind of uh, went into the new age for a while because it was it felt like a safe place to be because um, the watchtower um, it has a lot of phobias against Christianity. They they train their followers to really be afraid of what Christianity is and what Christianity represents. Hmm. Uh, you know, if we take the Trinity for example, they say it's pagan. It's a three-headed god. Hmm. You don't want to be anywhere near that. And the Cerberus or right. three-headed yes. dog. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's frightening. Yeah, yeah, that's the picture they use. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really? They, okay. Wow. Yeah, they do. And they, they had a booklet um, where they, they had pictures of uh, foreign deities that were you know, from different religions, maybe Hinduism and stuff, mm-hmm. where it had three-headed gods. And they said, well, this is just like the god of Christendom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a three-headed trinity. Yeah. You mentioned fear. Uh, what are some of the ways that you saw fear working out among people, and what's common about JWs and other cults in that regard? Well, you have a fear of leaving. Um, you you feel like you can't leave because you once you become in the uh, involved with the Watchtower, uh, all your they separate you from your your friends. Your other family members who did not become witnesses, uh, your whole life revolves around the kingdom hall. So then you know when, if you're going to leave or if you get disfellowship for some reason, everyone's going to shun you, hmm. yeah. and and that shunning is a very uh, scary thing for most people because um, it's terrible. You know, most yeah. people who experience it, and I experienced it myself too. Um, we, I've had people walk across the street. To avoid me, you know. Hmm. Wow. And it's 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 very severe. And that's still the case. Yeah, you know what? I have a cousin, and every time he sees me, he 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 makes a terrible face at me, and then and then just turns around. <laughs> mm-hmm. He acts like he just saw something disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Now you 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 do a lot of work with uh, witnesses and ex witnesses even today. Um, when oh the Awake magazine, they used to have this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. That was the that was the quote inside the cover of every Awake magazine. That and they took that out. I'm going to say 2002, just this just a f- several years ago. They um, and every time they've done this, they've seemed to have what ramifications do these kinds of things because. The, the the thought was that Jesus came back invisibly, right? Entered into the, the to take charge of this world invisibly in nineteen fourteen. Right. So they were saying this generation shall not pass away. They're using that to say from the nineteen fourteen date, and obviously by twenty fourteen, you're talking about a hundred years, and 
people are dying and it becomes really problematic. So they had to remove that verse. Have you seen any response from folks who were maybe bothered by that? or? Well, they changed their doctrine again. Now it's um, different generations. It's kind of like rotating, revolving generations mm. of this generation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does 1914 still play that major a role then in their understanding? No one's alive to complain anymore. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, 1914 is still the date that Jesus came invisibly, and I believe they're still using that. Uh, but, you know, we have these never-ending generations, and uh, they have uh, the people who have who claim to be of the anointed class, mm -hmm. who were supposed to be the generation of 1914, are much younger now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know people who have gone to their uh, once-a-year memorials, and they'll see younger people partaking of the emblems. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how would you... Um you know, if you're if you're speaking to someone who is asking whether I'm in a cult right now, how do they identify that they're in a cult, and what is it that Christianity has offered you, or Christ has offered you, uh, to mitigate um, what you were trapped in, and given you the freedom that you're that you claim to have now? Oh, it's it's just complete liberty because once I figured out who who Jesus Christ is. Um, I, I had complete freedom to study about him and to learn about him and to really op open my eyes and, and read the Bible for um, everything that it's worth. Uh, when I was a witness, it was, reading the Bible consisted of reading their literature and looking up the scripture that went with it. Hmm. And that's not reading the Bible. That's reading their doctrine and then finding text, something out of context that fits their narrative. Now, the, the translation of the Bible that they use is called what? New World? New World Translation. New World Translation. R briefly, what's the difference between that and uh, the Bible? The actual Bible. Yeah, the actual Bible. <laughs> and any other uh, good version of the yeah, Bible? that's right. Any other well, good Well, um, their New Testament is uh, uses the word Jehovah instead of, you know, Lord. And we all know that the... The, the tetragram is not used in, in the uh, Greek mm -hmm. scriptures at all. And so, you know, it says Lord in, in Greek. Mm -hmm. um, and then also they have taken out a lot of the scriptures are reworded um, where the deity of Christ. Like John 1.1, 1, 1, right? Yes, because on, on that scripture it says, in the beginning there was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a oh, God, God yeah. yes. a God, uh, you know, the uh, small letter G. Right. <laughs> so we've got big God and we've got yeah. little God. And no, uh, n there are no surviving Greek manuscripts that even have that article, right? Right, it, it doesn't. Well, it, they're emphatic diglot. If it says, and God was the word. I mean, if they, mm. if you look at the, they have an interlinear version. <laughs> okay. And, and it's, it, it, it reads opposite of that. Opposite. In oh. that regard, it's kind of similar to the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons, right? That Jesus was a God and right. we, we are gods in that regard. Yeah. Or one day we will be like well, God. Well, Mormons believe that, you know, they will be exalted into Godhood. Yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses don't quite believe yeah. the same way. Um, 
they believe that uh, 144,000 will live in heaven, hmm. kind of as gods, because they're anointed. They they keep saying they're anointed, so it's almost as if there are 144,000 Christs plus one Jesus, <laughs> and and then the rest of every all the other Jehovah's Witnesses who survive Armageddon will be living on the paradise earth. Hmm. Yeah, this this was actually a brilliant stroke by Joseph B. Rutherford, who was the the second leader of the witnesses because what happened was they initially russell's teaching was there's only going to be 144,000 faithful found on the earth yeah. so that was the jehovah's witness rutherford kicked the machine into high gear started publishing significantly more put out a lot of different books and uh was very successful so successful that the the roles grew to beyond 144,000, and yeah. now you've got a theological problem. And so, like Cynthia said, so he recalibrates. Well, the 144,000 are the special class, yeah. and then there's another class. Exactly, and there's a problem, right? I believe there are more than 144,000 JWs today. If that's the case, not everyone is up there, right? right. So th that's problematic as well. Yeah, yeah so they need more members, period, too, <laughs> right? if they want to grow. How do they know they've reached 144,000? So even, even not all Jehovah's Witnesses have that confidence or assurance that they will be sure. at that level. No, they'll, they'll live no. forever in paradise on yeah. earth. Yeah, yeah there's, there's oh, two it's a two-class system. Mm -hmm. So their, their, their upper class is the 144,000. Their second class is the, are, are the uh, great crowd, which live on earth and... The, the funny thing is that if you are part of the great crowd and you know somebody, someone in your family is part of the 144,000, you will never see that person again. Hmm. They're wow. going to be inaccessible to you for eternity. It's a God with 144,000 heads then. Yes, At kind the of, yeah, it's <laughs> almost that. Hey, there are many more questions we can uh, ask Cynthia tonight, but we've got a caller from Costa Mesa and uh, Joy, we want to bring you in. You've got a question. Um, her question is how to talk to a JW. So, Joy, welcome to the show. You have a question or comment? Yes, thank you so much. I just pulled over. I'm driving, and I just happened to put the radio on. I didn't catch the beginning, and I didn't catch the woman's name. Could you tell me her name? Cynthia Hampton. Oh, hi, Cynthia. So, Cynthia, uh, I lived in France for many years as a missionary in East France. And I just got in the, the mail a letter two weeks ago um, from a woman, a girl, but she's a woman now, and she said, Hello, Joy, my name is Kelly, blah, 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 and I met you in Nice, France 30 years ago. You gave me a track, and you shared uh, the, the gospel with me, and you, um, she didn't use that word, but anyway, and then that she ended up ask, asking the Lord into her heart, and I got her on her journey of spiritual uh, spiritual seeking, but she found the Lord, she said with me, because we just talked this week. So I finally called her. We had the nicest talk, like two hours, and so she became a Jehovah Witness. She said she, I took her to a Bible study, introduced her to people, shared, answered all of her questions, but I guess they came to her home, and she said that she just believed what they told her. Mm. So I'm going to be starting communicating with her more, and uh, we left on a good note. And oh, and then I sent her the, the next day, um, like two days ago, I said, Kelly, would you please read? I happen to read this today, Hebrews chapter one, and I'd like you to read it for me and tell me what you think. And she said, um, 
I'll ask my, uh, you know, we have a meeting tonight, their Jehovah Witness meeting, and I'll ask them at the meeting. So I sent back another text, and I said, well, okay, but I'm sure they'll tell you something else. And um, and then I, uh, yeah. So, and I did mention another text. I said, and they are, I, I mentioned the word cult, but in a nice way, and I sent with a smile, and I said not to offend you, you know. But she, it was okay, and she sent me back with the definition of a cult, you know, I think the next day. And anyway, that's where I'm at, um, and I would love to know. I left my phone number and my email, because you probably can't do it all on the radio now, but I would love to just, you know, tell me what to say. I, I did what I can of what I know of the scriptures and things, but you know better. You left it. So, yeah. Um the best thing, I think, when you're dealing with somebody who is a Jehovah's Witness is just ask them a lot of questions to get them to think. Oh. Um, okay. Instead of lecturing or say, trying to yes. show them scripture after scripture, you know, because yes. they're kind of used yes. to that because they're, they're kind yes. of like, um, like scriptural checkers, and so you won't get anywhere. So ask them okay. questions to make them think. You know, um, okay. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they're the only uh, religion that is teaching the truth, and they're the only ones that understand the Bible. So if you ask them something like, well, what if I had a Bible, and only a Bible, and if I read that only, would that lead me to your organization? Mm, and excellent. see if it does. You know, I, mm, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, we know that it wouldn't, but, right. you know, I know, I know people who have left the witnesses after even reading their New World Translation in context, and they realize it didn't really teach what their watchtower was teaching, right. even even with the bad translation. <laughs> That's by God's grace. Uh, yes. That, yeah. Well, uh, can you repeat that last part? I'm sorry, I was just doing something in my car. Say that one last. Uh, thing, no, that I last mentioned part? that uh, e even with a bad translation. People are no 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 no. What oh. did she say? Oh, what did you say? <laughs> oh, about um, you know reading their uh, New World Translation. When they read it in context, they'll realize that what the Watchtower teaches and what the Bible teaches are two different things. Mm. Uh huh. So just ask right. a lot of questions. Ask uh, her questions about you know the Bible. And you know, what what does what does this really mean? Because all she probably knows is a bunch of scriptures out of context. She doesn't know right. passages and you know how to exegete scripture and what it all what it all means when you know what did the writer of the gospel you know what was this really meaning? What did Paul mean when he said certain things? You know, look at look at the total context hmm. and see if you can get yeah, her to do the thing, same one thing. Passage you have one passage, excuse me, specifically you could give me that I could start with, maybe that you think of, or maybe not, but... Well, I, I like to go through the Gospel of John, and um, okay. there there are things that are different in there because they do deviate on the, the deity of Christ. Um, there, totally. John eight fifty eight, you know, before Abraham I was, uh, I am, and in theirs it says... What do they say about... And, and there, in Go their ahead. translation, it says, "Before Abraham was, I have been." Hmm. Oh, oh, uh huh. What, what about you know? I started with, and I didn't just come off. The, we just talked, and it was just really nice. And then I don't know how I, I 
whatever I was saying. Um, and and then I mentioned, well, um, oh, I mentioned a true story. So, well, when I first moved to California years ago, you know, I happened to stay in a motel, and I talking to the people that owned it, I realized they were Jehovah Witness. So that night when I got into bed, I pulled out the Jehovah Witness Bible. Sure enough, they had it in the drawer, and I thought, you know, I knew that they were, uh, I don't know how I said it, but anyway, and I said, so let me see, I thought it was going to take me a long time to find some discrepancy, and I said, I was amazed, you know, the first place I began to read in the Bible was the book of John, and first verse, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, hmm. and I went, oh no, he's not a God, he's God, and the God, yeah. you know, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. But then, you know, I know their way, they say, well, from the Greek, and I said, well, my father was Greek, you know, and uh, I do know a little bit of Greek, and, um, you know, that's not what it means. And um, anyway, so that's how I started, but, but thank you. Well, tell me your name again, I'm so sorry. Cynthia Hampton. Uh, uh, Cynthia. Cynthia, do you think Joy can basically reach out to you if she needs you and maybe contact you yes. in some ways? Oh, I. Yeah. I would, and I'd also like to ask if you think you would be willing to, Cynthia, if once I talk to this woman again, Kelly, and ask her, she's had four children, her husband five years ago died of uh, cancer, and she lives in Mississippi, I think so, yeah, from Colorado, and if she was willing to talk to you, uh, would you be willing to talk to her or communicate by email? Or Is she an active witness or an ex-witness? No, she is Jehovah Witness. So she's been in it, I think, you know, for a long time. Yeah. Hey, hey Joy, we're kids. almost out of time. Okay. So thanks for your call, though. And I you, know that uh, if you want to get a hold would, of Cynthia, you can do it through their website, womeninapologetics.com. Right. Yeah. Womeninapologetics.com and Cynthia Hampton. The last Hampton. Hampton, I'm like the Sorry, I'm not writing down. Cynthia Hampton. Yes. Well, Cynthia, I left my information too. If you could maybe uh, email me or text me or okay, I will. I don't know. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. God yeah. bless you. I'm so Th- perfect timing. Thank you, Joy. Yeah. Well, that was neat. Uh, Joy, uh, thank you for listening, and our hope and prayer is that um, you you make a connection here for your friend. So, one of the questions I have, Cynthia, is um, how about this? Is there a way to test to see if a belief system or a group is a cult? Do you have one test or a couple tests? Well, I look at their history and see where it all comes from. You know, of course, Christianity, of course, we trace back to, of course, Jesus and the early church fathers, and then we get, you know, the the Reformation and, you know, Protestantism and, you know, every, everything's a kind of a clean line in there. But then with the cults, they're usually stealing their information from elsewhere. Mm. A lot of it is plagiarism. Some of it is very occultic, like Joseph Smith and uh, his uh, occultic uh, practices with uh, divining rods and seer stones and things like that. And uh, the way he uh, said he spoke to an angel you know, named Moroni. Um, all of it is just has very dubious beginnings. Yeah. How about this? For me, I begin right away with uh, who they think Jesus is. Would that be a good test? That's a good test because most of them will 
uh, decline the deity of Christ mm. almost, almost always. Yeah, okay. Or because he's just maybe an enlightened one or became a god, but he was never the god. Yeah. Like timeless, with, a timeless god, right? Yeah, like Michael the Archangel is right. with the witnesses. He's yeah. Jesus and a.k.a. Michael the Archangel. Okay, we have less than two minutes, actually less than a minute. Any closing thoughts from each of you? Real quick, 20 seconds. If any of our listeners here, I would say that be very careful if someone is stopping you from engaging with ideas. Yeah. Uh, so let there be more liberty, and Christianity offers that, and Christ offers that. So look at the person of Christ, as you said, Harry, and uh, he will lead you to the truth. Lenny. It, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll ask Jehovah's Witnesses if they've ever read Mormon literature, or I've asked the Mormons if they've ever read Jeho- Jehovah's Witness literature. And I say, isn't that strange that, that you won't, they, they won't read your literature? So wouldn't you want to do the same and allow me to uh, give you literature that you could read as well? You know, so. There you go. Cynthia, last word. I just want to say thank you, and uh, anybody interested in the conference, I wanted to talk about that, and uh, go to womeninapologetics.com, and then you can see all the information regarding our speakers and subject matter. Well, thank you to our panel, uh, Jacob, Lenny, and Cynthia. You've been listening to apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe our hope and prayers that you've learned some aspect about the Christian worldview that strengthens your faith and make you want to learn more. Special thanks again to uh, Remy, our uh, awesome engineer back there, and our our guests and all all our callers. Uh, Until next time, good night.